Hey guys, welcome back to another Andrew Says. I'm here with TV's Lincoln J back at Trent University. And the goal here today, Lincoln, is to find the people of color lounge. I don't even like saying it, but it is a BIPOC lounge for decolonization, de-radicalization, every D thing you can think about. And we're gonna find out if we can get in Lincoln J. Let's go. We're back undercover, as you can see. Lincoln's got his backpack. I've got Juice World on, no mic flag. We're in the belly of the beast here, Lincoln. We can't exactly just go in guns blazing because we could be kicked out any time from campus. Now, last time we saw some shirtless bros, some soccer players, you name it. But this time school's in full effect and we've got to be careful. We want to get in and be accepted into the lounge. I just want everyone to know the stuff I do for Rebel News Plus. I'm about to walk up this ramp service, <laughs> vehicle only ramp. There's no stopping me, Lincoln. I'm wild. Now, normally you'd think you could get some water from this nice river here at the campus. But what you don't know is for the last 30 years at Camp Lejeune, people have been poisoned. If you or your family members were poisoned at Camp Lejeune, please call the number below. If you spent time on base at Camp Lejeune prior to 1988 and developed any of these cancers or suffered any of these injuries, you may be eligible for significant financial compensation. I think it seems to think this might be the lounge. I'm not sure. This might be, this could be anything. This could be a dungeon. This could be, you know, the campus blank center. It's locked. We're gonna die down here. What exactly? Where, can we ask you a question? No, no. no? Okay, where are you going? Come back, where are you going? Personally, Lincoln, I'm glad that we've got to a point in society where LGBT um, <laughs> graffiti is now the norm. Without this, how do we know how queer Trent really is? Come on, honestly. All right, Lincoln, we infiltrated the TCSA, TSCA Freedom Lounge. Um, what appears to be white passing people in there. I think that's against the rules, but uh, nobody had any problems with us being there. No security at the door or anything. As you can see, if you want to look that way, we are in the belly of the beast. That way. As you can see, um, we've instituted the all gender bathroom here. I've got um, my diversity, inclusivity and equity literature. I'm gonna go through that now. BIPOC is a newer term, Black Indigenous People of Color. Black and Indigenous people are emphasized in this acronym to reflect the disproportionate oppression both Black and Indigenous communities experience in North America. So we've gone beyond just Canada here. Everything on this campus is named after Indigenous people, so I'm not really feeling it. But Lincoln, I'm a little disappointed at the BIPOC Freedom Lounge. You create a lounge specifically for people of color but there's no enforcement of it at all. So why even have it? Why even call it that? There's a rainbow on the door. There's trans and some sort of weird flag over there. I have no idea, Lincoln. We're asking people about the Freedom Lounge. Have you heard of it? No. No, it's a center for people of color and indigenous people. I just want to get word uh, on how you guys feel about that. If it's uh, exclusionary, if it's the right thing to do, do you have any opinion on that? <laughs> I don't know. I'm so sorry. I'm, I don't know. If I uh, uh, can I see that? Yeah, you can. I mean, like, I'm a white guy, right? So how am I? I'm not equipped to tell you if they, people of color feel like they need that space. If they do feel like it, then power to them. I don't, 
Would you be in favor of like a white people space or why is that? Because that sounds close to white supremacy. But let's say it's a black people space. Is that okay then? Yeah. I mean, again, I'm probably not the person to answer these questions. No, you are the person. You seem very smart, (laughs) very well spoken. (laughs) But I mean, like, just thought, like, first thought that comes to my mind, like, black people and people of color deal with systemic racism on a daily basis versus white people not having to deal with that because systems that we operate within serve white people and have historically. So, does that happen on this campus that would necessitate it being in? the the like the school buildings though would you say uh i mean well yeah like there's a place for higher education so this is usually the type of place that's going to lead the way in terms of being progressive and uh yeah i mean ultimately i i'm like mainly in autonomy and don't come around the whole campus very often so i i don't know for sure but did you have any opinion on this i don't want to talk about it we were just there it's the lounge for uh BIPOC, I don't know if you know what that stands for. Black Indigenous People of Color. So it's supposed to be basically a a lounge for everybody who's not white. Do you have any opinion on that? Do you think it's necessary, discriminatory? How do you feel about that? Uh, I think it feels all right to me. I mean, Trent's Trent's basically an an all-racial school. Since I've been here, there hasn't been any any form of racism towards anybody, anybody of color here, so... I think having a lounge like that would be benefit everybody of, of color. So, would you say that it would be okay then if uh, a bunch of you know like German students or English students said we want a white people lounge? Would that be okay? Uh, it doesn't really matter to me. <laughs> <laughs> so you're you're okay with anybody having any lounge they want, basically? Yeah, basically. I mean, I mean, if, if we're free to have our own lounge, I mean, why can't anyone like? German Germans or anyone like that have have their own lines. So very cool. Thanks, man. Now, Lincoln, if I was to predict to you that white kids would have a problem with white people having a lounge and say everything's systemic racism, and then what I assume I don't want to assume too hardly there, but I think that guy was native. I have a lot of native friends, and uh, he had no problem with anybody having their own their own lounge. So I think that's something I should have just predicted at the outset. Um, pretty obvious in 2022, especially on a college campus. We have to be progressive, Lincoln. We have to be. Wrapping up here at Trent University again, we've got our diversity, inclusion, and equity folder. We've learned so much about the Freedom Lounge, mostly that nobody cares if you go in there. There are a bunch of white girls in there obviously. And the people we asked mostly didn't know about it at all. It's tucked away there in the student services building. Nobody really cares that it's there. But the white people we did speak to, of course, equity, inclusion, you know, the whole, we are systemically racist whole bit. And then the non-white people we speak to, and it's basically like, eh, I don't care. It's good, I guess. Other people could have one. So I think you can sort of see the 2022 problem in play here at Trent University. But I digress. We'll see you next time. Welcome back to another special episode of Andrew Says. They're all special, aren't they? Surprise pop-in guest, Jason, how are you? Andrew, good to be with you. Here in the mothership itself. Yes, finally. What brings you to Canada? So I had some investor meetings this morning, and then, I mean, you can't come to Toronto and not call the folks at Rebel News. <laughs> uh, so, well, either that or, you know, go to a Raptors game, but Raptors not playing uh, on this trip. So quick trip, just do some investor talks, and then want to come chat with you guys, your 
powerhouses on Getter, not just for Canada, but also for Australia. Well, as I told you from the beginning when you started Getter, it's the just the mechanics of it are so much better than the other platforms. I always say how much faster it loads than Twitter, has the multiple things you can load onto your posts. So just from that perspective, I think you guys are light years ahead. Um, the first thing I wanted to ask you about, I've noticed you've been tweeting a lot of sports, about, about sports, sorry, um, posting a lot about sports on your way to Canada, Don Cherry and stuff. I haven't talked to you since you guys had the boxing event live on Getter. You had the exclusive behind the scenes stuff. How did that go? Tell me how that came about and uh, why did you decide you guys wanted to get into sports like this? Well, good question. I mean, part of it is uh, the platform becomes an extension of sometimes of my personality. I'm a sports junkie mm -hmm. and everyone on the team is a sports junkie. And uh, this is what I think is great commonality brings people together. It also gives us content beyond politics to talk about. And I think as we start becoming something where folks, where it's not just if you're on the left or if you're on the right or you're in the center, but even as people who say, you know what, I don't necessarily get motivated by politics every day, but I want that content. I want people talking about other things in life. Pop culture is really a big thing that people want to talk about. So sports, as you look to what we've started to build out in the UK, we have Matt Letizia on the mm -hmm. on the platform. He was voted the greatest British footballer in history, played for Southampton. And in fact, on November 25th, we're actually hosting a UK versus US World Cup watching party uh, in London. We rented out an entire bar nice. and you get in for free with a, a Getter account on your phone. We, we're also doing that week, our first ever Getter comedy night uh, that we're doing with the Comedy Unleashed folks, uh, which will be cool. You get in for free with the Getter account. We're gonna have additional sports things coming up but we found that between mma and boxing there's a huge synergy mm -hmm. uh folks in those two sports seem to be very outspoken mm -hmm. uh take a jorge masvidal um pretty outspoken i think you could say uh but we found with those two communities in particular people like to voice their opinions that's what we want with getter we want uh the hot takes well, I completely agree. Before I got into news and politics, I did do podcasting about MMA and you find that they don't pull any punches. That's a terrible pun. Sorry, Lincoln. Producer Lincoln, by the way. Um, <laughs> their opinions are very much in line with, with people who are down to earth and, you know, not even necessarily calling themselves like right wing or conservatives, just honest. I mean, they punch people in the face for a living. They don't really have time for bullshit. Um, and a lot of these guys, even when they don't say it publicly, I've got a lot of people, not a lot. I mean, I mean, I'm not talking to, to many of the champions, but, um, privately, a lot of them do agree. And you ha see people like Horace, Fame, Jorge Masvidal. I'm friends with a UFC fighter named TJ Laramie, um, who had to train in secret when the lockdowns were happening here. And then they get, they go down to Vegas and they're allowed to train properly, but there is a huge crossover. I mean, Gina Carano is another one. I remember Ronda Rousey talking about how stupid some of the things were about uh, fighter pay between men and women. So it's really interesting. So this, um, this soccer event, uh, did you say Matt Letizia is going to be at that or are they, are you guys just hosting a big party? Yeah, so he'll be there. So we're doing it uh, again in London. We'll put it out there. So anyone in London, or I guess internationally, if you wanted to fly in for it, that more power to you as long as you have a, a getter account on your phone. But um, Matt will be doing some commentary. Of course, he was a Sky Sports presenter mm -hmm. uh, for football previously. He'll be doing some commentary before the match and then at halftime. Uh, we'll have all sorts of TVs that are set up all over the place. Um, so he'll be there. He'll be hosting it. But uh, but it'll be other fun folks there too. For example, Nigel Farage mm -hmm. uh, will be there. We'll have uh right said fred 
uh, Richard yeah. and Fred, which if you told me, uh, I'm, I'm 47. If you told me back when I'm too sexy came out, you know, some 30 years ago that I'd be hanging out with the guys who sang I'm too sexy. I would say you're nuts. They're active on the platform. Mm -hmm. They're great. I mean, these guys, Richard and Fred, they're awesome. Um, I haven't yet asked them if they can maybe, you know, do a little acoustic. I'm too sexy <laughs> at halftime. Eh, maybe it might be mixing audiences, but we'll give it a shot. No, that's great. And uh, Canada, first time in the World Cup since I think like 88. So I'm excited for that. So we'll definitely check it out. I saw you and might, might have just been a reply to one of your posts, but somebody's asking you about Don Cherry. Now, Don Cherry obviously is this huge figure from here. Um, cancel culture attacked him. Their ratings went way down. I don't think anybody watches. Lincoln, do you watch Hockey Night in Canada anymore? Yeah, growing up, Don Cherry was the man. Everybody now, looked up to him. Yeah, and now he's sort of been like pushed into this. You must apologize, but we're still going to fire you, Corner. I don't think he apologized. Somebody asked if you would entertain having him on Getter in some facet. Are you familiar with it? enough with him to make a, an opinion on that or anything like that? Well, I know I'm a familiar enough. Just, I mean, I grew up in Seattle, so a uh, big hockey community in Seattle. They just got the Kraken. Uh, mm -hmm. And obviously with all the, um, we had a lot of folks from BC uh, that were in Seattle that, were, that played hockey. And so uh, familiar enough uh, with it. Obviously I know who, uh, who Don Cherry is, but um, I don't have the intro yet, but on my way out, I'm going to snag a copy of Ezra's uh, Rolodex and uh, see if I can't get that started. Yeah, for sure. I, I have David Menzies has interviewed him at his house. So I'll try to find if there's a way together. Maybe you just show up at his house. Maybe that's the move. Uh, yeah, sometimes <laughs> sometimes that's a mixed bag. Sometimes they're like, hey, let's talk. And then sometimes they call the police. So we're going to do it a little bit carefully, especially being a foreigner. Uh, might be weird showing up at someone's house, uh, but we'll try it. I'm, no, I'm I think in Canada, you get more if you're foreign, but that's neither here nor <laughs> there. Um, Elon, Kanye, Jason Miller, Trump. Did you ever imagine a world, I have two parts to this question, but first, do you ever imagine a world where you guys are all running social media platforms? This is, it's getting to the point where people have to start saying to the leftists on Twitter, oh, you guys need to create your own platform now. Just create your own Twitter. How, could you ever envision this? And what do you say to the people? Like, they're going to, it's rumored that thousands of people are going to leave Twitter. If, if that's possible, I don't know. Well, I think Twitter, let's go and kind of unpack mm -hmm. this. What this is a clear reflection of is that people are ticked off at the status quo. They don't like the way that um, moderation policies are being implemented. They don't like the political censorship and the political discrimination, which is really what I think it is. It's saying one group has free speech rights, but another group does not have free speech rights. That's really the, the crux of what it is. And, you know, the left... I think has been living a little bit of a charm life since they're in power right now. They have uh, President Biden. They have both chambers um, of the U.S. Congress um, and also leftists. I mean, you look at Justin Trudeau. Uh, you look at leftists Olaf Scholz in Germany all around the world seem to be in control. So they're not really upset. None of their friends are being kicked off of social media. The pendulum is going to swing back, though, and the pendulum will start to kick off people on the left. They just don't realize it yet. But when they do, we're more than happy to have them join Getter in our platform. But I do think that our free speech is going to be, become more decentralized um, as people realize we can't put all the power mm -hmm. in the hands of Twitter and Facebook. Are you glad then you got way out ahead of this and you're doing the sports and you've done vision and everything? Because it's going to be coming to pass, I think, soon, 
that parlor and truth are going to be like, how come we don't have these things? So you, are you happy that you guys put that much into the technology right away? Absolutely. Because, you know, when we launched I had two main goals, and this goes to the other point, number one, the technology had to be superior. If you're just saying we want to have a junior varsity knockoff of Twitter, we can get people to visit once, then they'll never come back. You have to make sure that the tech is there. But the other thing too, you have to constantly keep innovating. Otherwise people say it's getting stale, it's getting boring. That I think is one of the keys with Twitter. Twitter hasn't innovated. They've done a couple things lately. They've thrown in spaces and um, you know trying to get into that clubhouse scene a little bit. But for a platform that's been around 15 years, they've innovated remarkably little, mm -hmm. which I think is that's actually, I'm surprised we haven't heard more on the innovation front from Elon Musk. That would have been something where he would have gotten into. And you look at the the younger users of social media who like the short video format much more, the TikTok, the Instagram Reels. So the first priority when you launch, make sure the technology is superior, and then we continue to innovate. It's not trying to be a competitor to Twitter. It's trying to be something when we add in the visions, we add in the live streaming, all these other different things to make it interesting. In fact, one of the cool things we have coming up, I think we launched this in December. We might hold it till January, essentially a meetup feature. So where Zuckerberg is trying to push people into some kind of nerd uh, pretend universe <laughs> of like half people. Um, Although you saw where he got busted for actually adding legs uh, to his uh, avatar. Yeah, I uh, noticed that he said that this won't be what it really looks like. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. We're actually trying to do things to bring people together so you can opt in and say you want to meet up with other Getter users in your area. Or maybe you're at a tailgate. Maybe you're at a sporting event or a concert. And you want to meet up with other Getter people. You can actually uh, opt into on a situation where uh, you can start meeting up with people um, uh, individually or in real life. Um, so the tech has to be big, but then the second part is it had to be an international platform. This was one of my big keys that I knew I could have an influence with. And I think we've done that. We're, look, we're at 51% US, 49% international. Um, mm -hmm. That's not a slouching matter. That's pretty, pretty good. Uh, Brazil is our number two market with about 15%. UK is number three at about 10%. Germany is about seven. Canada is about six. So Canada is our fifth largest market, but also this comes back to Rebel News. Australia is our seventh biggest market, uh, where obviously Rebel News has been a powerhouse, uh, along with uh, Avi, yeah. um, who's just been doing fantastic work for you guys. Um, and in fact, uh, to let you know, Rebel is actually Getter's biggest user in Canada, and Avi is Getter's biggest user in Australia. Wow. So you guys, you guys have a pretty big voice uh, when it comes to the, the Getter world, but the technology and their international approach is really the differentiator, uh, in my opinion, for Getter. Yeah, Avi's influence is crazy in Australia. He's, I mean, any one of us, somebody will say, hey, Rebel News, great, but Avi has the, like, they have changed laws based on what have ha has happened to Avi with the protesting when they uh, they threw him to the ground. That was a good time. But I wanted to ask you, and oh, I was going to say about Zuckerberg too. I don't even think he wants to be involved in politics anymore. He wants, he's so, I don't know if you listen to him on Rogan, but he's so obsessed with VR and augmented reality. I think if that guy could turn back the clock, he would uh, say no to a lot of the politicians that asked him to be involved in stuff. Uh, Hunter Biden, for example, the FBI stuff there. He Where's probably, Hunter? <laughs> exactly. Still, <laughs> fun anecdote about that is Amazon canceled my order of that book. A little conspiracy for you. Um laptop from hell ordered pre-ordered it oh it's just canceled for you don't worry about that. really a little good conspiracy there there uh amazon has canceled a lot of things well i'm, I'm in new york with miranda divine so i need to get you an autographed copy i would appreciate uh, that but you know the zuckerberg thing so here was my initial thought on that 
my initial thought was that he knows that Facebook is failing. Mm -hmm. it's, there's, there is no future growth no. for Facebook. What is, I think, 2% of people 18 and younger use Facebook. And they said, of that universe, 45% will disappear in the next two years. So basically, it's dead. That's why they've morphed yeah. Instagram in with Facebook. And one or two clicks, and all of a sudden, you're basically in Instagram Reels, and you're no longer even at Facebook. So the way they've mm. morphed them in, because he realized that. But as he's gotten to this, so I thought initially the meta stuff was just a way to distract away from the fact that their current business model isn't sustainable for the long haul. The audience is disappearing. I tell you, I think he's into this weird transhumanism stuff where you just plug in. And look, I used to laugh about it, but it's a real deal. I mean, this, this whole concept of plugging your brain into some computer and, oh, I'm going to have new friends on the computer or uh, I'll be able to have certain clothes on the computer I don't have in real life or I'll have certain cars or my, my legless torso. <laughs> uh, there is this aspect of transhumanism. I've referred to Zuckerberg as the, the digital Klaus Schwab. Uh, I think he wants us to just plug into the matrix and it, I think he's a real weirdo. Well, yeah, because it, once somebody's if they're plugged into your platform, then how much more data can you get? You can get where they're looking at anything they spend more time at. It's going to be just play. Stay here. He even mentioned on Rogan, call your friends from inside the metaverse. Now, why would I just not use a video thing on my phone though? Like, so you want me to put something on to look at somebody in a virtual space instead of just doing a video call with them. A lot of it doesn't make sense. And that's why I'm saying, I think he just wants out of the political game. He just wants like VR chats. And Lincoln, you were saying that it's losing tons of money, I think. Yeah, well, I don't know. I can just tell you from my perspective with my friends, like there's just no interest of in course. it at all. Personally, I haven't looked into anything about it. I just don't care about that world. And Facebook on its own, like, I think it's everybody, no offense to older women out there, but I think it's the grandma social media now, and that must hurt them. But enough about the suck. I think he's doing something weird. He, you know, there's, yeah, interesting point on that. After 2016, Zuckerberg and Dorsey really drew the ire of their fellow Silicon Valley elites, saying that because of them, Trump won. <laughs> and to an extent, they're kind of right. I mean, Trump's superpower is that he's able to evade traditional media and go right to voters. And so it was almost like the, you know, Scooby-Doo at the end where, if, you know, if it wasn't for you pesky mm -hmm, kids, mm -hmm. we would have won. It was the same thing with, you know, if it wasn't for you pesky kids, we would have gotten crooked. It wasn't Hillary, for that internet. That, that internet's thing. And so they really got pummeled. And I think that's why Zuckerberg came back uh, in 2020 and spent all the money on kind of the voter reg and things that's been documented, the hundreds of millions they spent on that. But I think even Dorsey is he's kind of slinked away and uh, kind of ridden off into the sunset and tried to get away from it. I don't think those two ever, I don't think that's ever gotten the full recap of the the damage that it did to them. They really got hit hard by their progressive buddies who blamed them for Trump's win. And I think that probably left them a little bit scarred. Um, but, you know, Andrew, even aside, though, from Zuck and Dorsey, um, TikTok. TikTok is a big, scary thing right now. There's been a lot of attention uh, for it here in Canada, in the U.S., in the U.K., in Australia, where it just was a couple of weeks ago, with mm -hmm. President Xi being reelected. Uh, I <laughs> guess, is that, the, is that what we're calling it now? <laughs> Maybe. I don't and know what term. Do they use the term reelected? Uh, do they actually have a formal vote just for show, I guess? For, for show. It's the party votes. Uh, but then when we saw the uh, some of his other allies who didn't like anymore are retiring, mm. um, which is, I thought the Wall Street Journal should have uh, 
been ashamed of themselves for putting retire in a headline when you don't get retired. They just decide what point you get sent off to go break rocks with the Uyghurs. <laughs> well, maybe they paid for the ad. I know a couple of the papers here have done full blown Chinese tourism ad, five pages long. So I wouldn't be surprised if they were just like, hey, let's publish this thing saying but, how great we are. But this is now who ultimately is in charge of TikTok. Mm -hmm. ByteDance, which is the parent company, is based in China. They're a Chinese company. The basic surveillance laws in China say that you have to open yourself up for surveillance. We know from BuzzFeed and Bloomberg uh, that you can access Americans' data mm -hmm. uh, in China. So here's the scary thought. My oldest uh, daughter is 14. And imagine being able to develop a psychographic profile um, of anyone right now at a formative age. Are they going to want to like something, swipe left, swipe right, um, you know, be ultimately motivated to share a clip? Imagine then at 24 when they're voting age. We know a lot of people are getting their news from TikTok now. That algorithm is easily manipulated. Imagine as mm -hmm. people start getting their 30s and 40s, and then TikTok now has 10, 20 years of psychographic analyses of that person. Think about a future leader, whether it's a member of Congress, whether it's a president, where TikTok will know more about their thinking than even they will. That is really scary. Yeah, and they'll know exactly what type of video content somebody's most likely to share. They'll be able to sort of mold their propaganda into something that somebody says, oh, this isn't anything. It's something I should be going for. And if you just think about the things that are pushed now, whether it was black squares or stuff about Amazon fires or take any of this like leftist mainstream uh, narrative that they want to push across what that Jimmy Kimmel cries about, for example, they'll know exactly how to perfectly manufacture that for shareability and uh, probably pay influencers to do so. They do that now. Uh, they people have already been coming out saying that they've been paid uh, to post Ukraine stuff. Um, some of the people we've worked with. I wanted, uh, regarding the elections, though, I wanted to ask you about some of the midterms. Which one's the most entertaining for you? One of the ones I wrote down was Oz and Fetterman, <laughs> just because I think that's geographically close to you. Anything that's been catching your eye, I mean, Tucker Carlson's been interviewing everyone I think that he wants to win uh, from, uh, what's the guy in Texas? I'm forgetting all their names now. In Texas to Kerry Lake to all these people. What's the most interesting race to you? You can say Fetterman if you want, because I watched this guy and I'm just like, man, come on. Well, first of all, so it's Dr. Oz versus Dr. Frankenstein. <laughs> there is something not right about Fetterman. And I'm not just, I guess I'm not, maybe I am being ableist. I don't really care. But um, <laughs> This is the show to do it. This is the, right, exactly. But that's the thing now. They're now his wife's trying to spin it and say, oh, you're being ableist uh, if you criticize him. Come on. I mean, first of all, he looks like a big Frankenstein. The bulge protruding out of his neck. You know, it's like Frankenstein with the bolts coming out of his neck. The only difference is, is that I have not yet seen any villagers uh, chase Fetterman through the town with a pitchfork um, or burning torches. That might be next. I mean, he literally is Frankenstein. Here's the thing about, um, I've been around a little bit, as I'd said, um, about 2020, or excuse me, 2022, is right now uh, Republicans have about a four-point maybe a five-point generic ballot registration advantage. In 2010 and in 94, the two other big Republican landslides of uh, my adult life, Republicans trailed on the generic ba ballot going into election day. So for them to be leading, this means it's gonna be a blowout. And you're gonna have people who wake up on election day and say, wait, I won? You could see, I think uh, Blake Masters wins mm -hmm, in Arizona. That's what I was thinking of. 
Kerry Lake, I think, wins handily. Um, Adam Blacksalt, I think, beats Cortez Masto in Nevada pretty handily. J.D. Vance will be fine. JD's Ohio, Ted Butt will be fun, uh, fine in North Carolina. Ron Johnson will be reelected uh, okay in Wisconsin. Even though the polling shows it a bit further apart, I still think we could get really, really close in Washington State and Colorado. I think Don Baldock in New Hampshire is going to wake up and beat Maggie Hassan on election day. That's one where a lot of people are saying, yeah, maybe he's in range. Maybe it's creeping. I think, I think he could be a surprise winner. I think Herschel Walker wins handily in Georgia. And then I do think Dr. Oz beats uh, uh, Frankenstein Fetterman uh, in Pennsylvania. A lot of these, again, a lot of people are going to wake up the day after the election and we're going to be looking saying, how did they win? The bottom has fallen out for the Democratic Party. They have no leadership, terrible message. The economy is going in the wrong direction. Crime um, is massively mm -hmm. problematic. And Hispanic Americans are abandoning the Democratic Party in droves. Um, and it's both the economy and the safety. I think I was going to ask what you think are the major driving issues here, but I think crime's a huge one. You can't have a DNC run city. And it's taken me so long, I say this all the time, to the, get to this point where like this is obviously the problem is the leadership. You can't have a Democrat run city that isn't, okay, three blocks of the downtown financial sector are wonderful and clean and nice. And then as soon as you step across, especially in Chicago, when I visited there, as soon as you cross a street, people are throwing stuff and yelling stuff at you. So these DNC run cities that have been, you go down the list, St. Louis, Detroit, Chicago, 30, 40, 50 years of Democrat run, people are finally, I think, starting to see, that especially when you get these DAs in, the many of them Soros-backed DAs, when they say, oh, you can just get out uh, without bail for pretty much anything. Um, it was Illinois with the, it's like second degree murder, uh, kidnapping, this new act that they have where they don't chase down any criminals. People, I think, are finally starting to notice that, you know, there's, there's direct people who are causing this to happen. And the other topic, I think, is... Uh, drag queens and transgenderism in these books and schools and you have all these parents going to city councils and uh, school board meetings where they're standing up and creating all these viral videos and they're just piling up on top of it and then what do you get you don't have a guy in the white house who can just you know be quick on his feet and be like well you know we're actually doing this this and that they have to get up in there and lie to this guy now as much as jen saki was terrible and circling back <laughs> she wasn't quite as bad as corinne jean pierre is Green John Pierre just pretends that the sky isn't blue. I mean, there's nothing wrong with Joe Biden. I mean, you're stupid if you think the economy is not doing well. Although the only thing I'll say on Kareem, I think she actually believes it. I uh, hope not. I uh, uh, no. Jen Psaki didn't believe it. She was <laughs> saying it. She's uh, Jen's actually. I've I've gotten to know her a little bit personally over the years. She's actually pretty smart. She's pretty pro business. She gets it. A lot of that's lip service. Kareem's actually crazy. She actually <laughs> believes all this stuff. And it, it, it's, I mean, the Kool-Aid, I mean, she has been chugging pictures of this Kool-Aid. There's nowhere Kool-Aid left for anyone. She's drank it all. It's that bad. Um, but I think, you know, when you're talking a moment ago about some of these issues and you, you mentioned crime and got a little more detailed, you know, I think that's ultimately even what's going to deliver Lee Zeldin the win mm -hmm. for the governor's you race in so? New York. Um, that's one of my favorites. Just come. I hope I'm so. personal I mean, friends with Zeldin. Um, as someone who used to work for Rudy Giuliani and, and saw the work that he did to turn around mm -hmm. New York City, it has really kind of become, man, I know it's a family-friendly program here, but it's become a shithole. Um, you walk around New York and it smells like marijuana, the whole place, the homeless, 
uh, just the uh, the rampant crime. We're uh, just a block off of Central Park uh, on Broadway, and there was a carjacking in front of our office last fall on Broadway, right near Central Park. I mean, in the middle of the day. Um, but I, I think the Democrats, their refusal uh, to go and acknowledge some of these problems, and then the social engineering stuff just gets weird. It just gets weird with all the trying to push the ideology. And, you know, Steve Bannon um, mm -hmm. has really been talking about this precinct strategy going into the midterms. This is where I think you have a lot of people who said, I'm actually motivated to now run for school board. I'm motivated to run for mayor where people are really setting their sights on the local level. That's also a difference between 2022 and say 2010 or 94. There was all those previous elections were much more federal. This is from the ground up. You're gonna have a lot of people are gonna be like, yep, now I'm in charge. I'm on a school board. I'm a mayor. We're going to get rid of some of these wokest policies. Yeah, I think it's something that desperately needs to happen here because everything flies under the radar before it's too late, especially in our local school boards. Um, I want to ask you two things. Steve Bannon, do you remember there's this documentary out about uh, in 1992, they created this giant biodome ecosystem. Have you seen this? And Steve Bannon comes in and buys it at the end and they act like Steve Bannon must want to cover everything up. Have you are you familiar with this documentary? Uh, I I am. I haven't seen the documentary. I know about Steve's work with it, and um, it's funny because uh, some of Steve's family members, I believe, is his, his brother, and I think his uh, uh, niece or niece and nephews or his nephews um, still live in Arizona, and so they all kind of went out there to do the the Biodome project. He's a little ahead of his time. Now you see Elon Musk talking about uh, Mars and the moon and different things like that. And so, uh, you know, Steve was just a couple decades too early. They cheated right away. This is before Steve Bann. Like, I don't know what the claim is. They seem to claim that they claim that he wanted to shut it down to hide climate change. I personally am, wouldn't lean towards that as a person who watches Netflix documentary with a bit of skepticism. But a uh, couple weeks in, they just bring in uh, one girl goes out to have surgery on her finger and brings in a bag of supplies i'm like well there goes your entire project <laughs> and like that happens very early in the documentary but the other non-political thing i want to ask you about is vertical real estate and i think i might have asked you about this before because i know you guys have a building in manhattan and or rent a rent space in there and i've read that you need to purchase vertical real estate so what i've read is these big businesses buy vertical real estate around them so that they can be the only building that can build vertically. Is this a real thing? Can you explain it in layman's terms? You know about this? Yeah, well, I know that, uh, so I'm not a real estate expert. Uh, my wife's a little bit more of a real estate expert than I am. She works in the commercial real estate space. There is a lot with views uh, and obviously what you can see. Um, now, as far as just being taller than anything else around you, uh, very few cities where I think that would truly apply, New York being one, um, that wouldn't surprise me. And I wouldn't be surprised if the main driver of that is just local government and a way to tax it uh, mm. or to find find ways for them to essentially monetize on it. Um, but the, the whole aspect of uh, real estate and having certain views, um, you know, whether we have a Central Park or the beach in California, something like that, that's been the case with it. I'm not a vertical uh, real estate expert. <laughs> I tried. Lincoln, Jay, do you know anything about this? No, we can't get them to look this up, I don't think. Let's go behind the paywall. I want to talk about Brazil and censorship. Rebelnewsplus.com. You'll get the full interview with Jason and the full extended version of the street content. We will see you there. 
you were posting. Were you in Brazil? Um, I was re most recently in Brazil last month. Um, yeah. So I was there September 7th, which is, it was their bicentennial. Their, right. Their 200th anniversary of independence. Um, Brazil being our second biggest market. We have President Bolsonaro, as well as his adult sons, Eduardo, Flavio, Carlos, a uh, number of his key deputies, whether it be uh, uh, federal deputy uh, Carol Detoni or Carla Zambelli, um, Biaquisa, so a very large Brazilian community. And But what they have there is their Supreme Court is out of control, led by a gentleman named Alexander de Moraes. He was the one who detained me a year ago when, mm -hmm. I, was, when I was in Brazil. Um, a whole other story, but they just want to intimidate us and try to scare us away. But the New York Times wrote a big story over the weekend saying that they've now consolidated it to where Moraes now has singular control over free speech rights in Brazil. He can unilaterally and singularly decide who gets kicked off any platform. It's crazy. In fact, let me tell you an example how crazy it is. Saturday night, we get an email at 10.17 p.m. 10.17 p.m. on a Saturday saying that we didn't ban a certain user. By the way, this user posted one time on Getter. She posted in April of 2022, just one time basically saying, I'm here on Getter, please follow me. Has not posted since. If we didn't ban her from the platform within two hours, we would get a $20,000 US fine, 100,000 reals, like five to one conversion rate. Can we say who this is? Uh, it's uh, the name on there. It's, it's like Chris Brazil or Christiani uh, Brazil. Um, but she's the end up being the daughter of the the former federal deputy who had the standoff with the police okay. over the weekend. If you maybe saw some of that, she hadn't done anything wrong. It just it sounds like her father had some issues with the Supreme Court, but, they, but there was nothing she posted that would be worthy of kicking her off. Certainly nothing that would be worthy of coming to us at a 10, 17 p.m. on a Saturday night saying that if you don't kick her off within two hours, you're going to a $20,000 fine. It's that level of crazy to where they're going through and uh, not just picking winners and lo losers, uh, but being punitive uh, when mm -hmm. it comes through and really looking for excuse to try to deplatform platforms. Yeah, that's what I wanted to ask you about because I saw you posting about this and I know you've had a couple of trips to Brazil to promote everything there. How do you feel that Brazil is? Is that some place where you think that, you know, this, because they talk about a lot on the news about uh, China trying to get influence in there a lot. Do you think this is one of those countries that it would uh, be a good idea for the West to partner up with more and sort of connect the cultures? Because there are a lot of things. I mean, you can talk about soccer and jujitsu and everything, but they're closer to us with a very Catholic society than they are further apart, I think. Do you think it'd be wise for a lot of companies to start doing more business there? Well, yes. In fact, even um, their growing evangelical base is one of the key swing coalitions that both Bolsonaro and Lula are targeting in that Brazilian election. Um, I think with the, I'm very concerned that the election of Petro in Colombia, uh, who literally is former guerrilla leader. I mean, mm -hmm. not just figuratively, when you say, hey, this guy was a guerrilla terrorist, he actually was a guerrilla terrorist. That that was his, um, one of his resume uh, indicators from, <laughs> I mean, it, it's, so it's it's not an terrorist. insult. It's like, you know, res, you know, on the resume checklist, terrorists done that. Um, <laughs> but you look at Lula in Brazil, if they're able to get Petro and Lula in um, that's going to open the door for the CCP. The CCP has been desperate to try to get into Brazil and Colombia because of their strategic importance mm -hmm. uh, and part of their LATAM expansion. And it's really the one area around the world where the CCP has uh, been stymied 
uh, a bit, but they're making a push. The door is open now in Columbia. Um, and for a lot of people might not realize, but Columbia is right there on both the Caribbean and the Pacific. Uh, so they're essentially the gateway from between North America and South mm -hmm. America. Um, and then Brazil is obviously South America's largest economy. CCP wants their clutches in that. And if we don't do a better job of making them allies and, and hugging them close, um, then we're going to wake up and the CCP is going to have uh, a very two-footed um, stronghold uh, in South America. That's not good. Yeah, I could see them doing a lot of the what they've done with some of the African nations and some of the smaller South American nations. Hey, we're going to set up a bunch of industry there, and if you disobey us, we're just going to cut it off. And there goes your jobs and your prosperities, which is what they do a lot in some of the, the Central African nations, if I'm not mistaken. Before we let you go, Lincoln, Jay, any questions? What no, pay you for? no questions. Uh, when are you traveling back? Uh, so heading back uh, this evening, I'll be heading back to New York uh, in the Big Apple. And so I'll be there uh, this evening, New York, the next couple of days, uh, probably down in, in South Florida, end of the week. Uh, so the road show continues. I think the next big trip's coming up. Um, we have the week of Thanksgiving or that third week in November. I will be in the UK for Getter Comedy Night, first ever. And mm -hmm. then the Getter World Cup party that we're doing. We're also that week going to probably have Getter World Cup parties in France and in Germany. So I'll do a little day trips over there. We're going to do the same thing in Brazil at the end of November and then we'll be at CPAC Japan in the first week in uh, first week of December so uh, Japan is a rapidly growing market for us we just followed our, cool. our incorporation there um, and so it's the first country outside the US where we've incorporated and this will be our first trip there as they've been closed the last year and a half but they're finally open that's how you get into gaming maybe through japan's getter gaming well that and also too uh when we talk about sports i'm actually going to be meeting with uh some retired sumo wrestlers cool. uh there's an mma fighter i'll be meeting with when i'm in japan um you're right on the gaming side uh we're actually i think gonna have a presence at the uh the gaming conference in la coming up in december uh we'll probably be at ces uh in january oh, out in so vegas um and so a uh, whole bunch of different areas but I call it kind of our post-political phase. Mm -hmm. We're always going to have the politics. That's where the passion, that's, I mean, I'm a political nerd. I love this stuff. I love about the fight that we're in. Politics is always going to be really kind of the heart and soul. Um, but how we scale as a platform, uh, to your point, is, is we get into the sports, the entertainment, the pop culture. That'll get a lot of even more passive people that maybe they're not political junkies. These are, whoever is getting these jobs, Jason, this sounds like a good time. You go to video game conferences, you go to Japan. I can encourage a World Cup thing here in the Toronto area. There's lots of Greeks, Italians. Um, you go out east a bit more. It's going to be all your Scots and Brits. So maybe that's something to set up. Anything else you want to mention before we let you go? Uh, no, but I do need to start reading up on uh, soccer. Uh, I'm, I'm not a soccer player. You so do. Uh, but I'll, I'll be an expert by the time World Cup gets here. So I want to say thanks for everything you're doing for uh, free speech, too. Thank Lincoln's you. one of the guys who was on the trucker live streams on Getters. So that was a big deal for him. That was his huge coming out party. And uh, now I have to bring him onto the show so that I can, you know, leech off of his popularity on Getter. But like I said, people always want to say, oh, what do you, Getter, you, uh, are you just promoting them? Well, one, you don't pay me. So I'll say that. And two, it's just a better, like, software i'm sorry and the growth is natural i always link it back to early youtube days where you could actually grow you can actually see the people like your stuff and they'll start following you you go on youtube or twitter right now you lose people every day so getter is an actual natural algorithm where people will like you and if you post things then you'll get followers i'm sorry jason i'm sorry okay 
Although I did shamelessly bring you a yes, better beanie. Well, you give great, me so. free stuff. Free It'll go on the back. On yeah. Free merch. It'll go on the back. Lincoln, I'm waiting for your free stuff. <laughs> Too much picking on Lincoln. Rebelnewsplus.com. Thank you guys for sticking with us. Thank you, everybody, for subscribing. Go create a getter page. You can go to the World Cup parties and the comedy nights. And I'll be coming to Japan. I'm just bringing this on you now, Jason. I'm coming to Japan to start some sort of gaming channel. I don't know. Thanks a lot, Jason. Have a great uh, time the rest of your trip. Thanks for stopping by. We look forward to seeing you again. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Thank you.